welcome to The Reader's Heart, a podcast of conversations with authors and illustrators about children's literature as a vehicle for empathy and joy in a dark world. Now, normally I would begin this episode with a clip from my conversation with Newbery award-winning author and illustrator Jerry Craft, whose graphic novels, New Kid, Class Act, and School Trip have earned him both critical and popular acclaim. As Jerry puts it, his books pass the literary critic test, they pass the teacher and librarian test, but most importantly, they pass the kid test. That said, this interview was recorded several weeks ago, before Jerry announced that his youngest son Aaron had taken his own life. Now, as you might imagine, my first instinct was to shelve this episode until Jerry had a new book coming out next year. But then he mentioned online that if people wish to help his family, they could DM him for information about how to make a donation towards funeral costs, etc., So after getting his permission, I've decided to air the episode so that I can use it to share that information. So while I always hope you'll stay tuned after the episode for more information about the podcast and my guest, this week that request feels more personal than ever. Anyone who has ever had any contact whatsoever with Jerry Craft knows that he is one of the most generous people in children's literature. With that in mind, if you are able and you feel so moved, I hope you'll stick around until the end of the episode to learn more about how you can support his family right now. But for now, here's my conversation with Jerry Craft. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. I'm such a huge fan of your work that I'm fangirling a lot right now. And I know I'm not the only one. I think Jerry Craft is becoming a household name at this point. <laughs> Let me tell you that it, when, when you hear my story, you'll realize why I'm laughing because it is so far from anything that I ever expected. So I just get tickled pink every time I hear something like that. Well, I want to hear your story. So typically, I start these interviews by asking about your reader's heart and who you are as a reader. So maybe you can chat about that while telling us a little bit about your story and and the journey you've taken to get here. You know, I feel like my um, reading has never changed. I always just like fun things, you know. And, you know, one of the things that in the sense I wish I had, but then maybe if I did, I wouldn't be who I am. So I'm going to say, I wish I had books that I had as a kid that were my favorites. And I could yeah. talk about like my version of like Judy Bloom and how sure. important certain books were to me, but I don't, Yeah, you know? And And I think that's one of the things that when I go and do school visits and I sit in front of 800 kids and I say, when I was your age, I absolutely hated to read. It was a punishment. And, um, you know, I was creative. I like making up stories. My dad used to make up stories. I didn't necessarily see my parents read. My dad read the newspaper. Uh, My mom had some books. But, you know, it wasn't like my friends were readers. You know, it's not like my kids were, uh, their friends were like, did you get the new Wimpy Kid? What page are you on? They were racing to see who could finish it and, you know, and running to the library. Like, I really don't have any stories like that. 
And I don't yeah. even remember meeting authors until I was an author. Right. Me neither. Yeah. So to have like, you know, a Kwame Alexander come to my, well, not Kwame, but somebody good <laughs> come to my school when I was a kid, like I didn't have that. And it's so funny that when I started meeting some of these legendary people, I had no idea who they were. You know, I was at the Hudson Children's Book Festival and there was a nice couple at one of the tables, you know, and I went over and we talked for a while and, oh, well, what do you do? Oh, you're an author too? Oh, and, and what's your name? Oh, Jacqueline Woodson. And what, what kind of books do you write? Okay, and you have a table here? Okay, I'll, I love I'll come that. by and say hi. And sir, your name again was what? Walter what? Walter Dean Myers? Okay. And you have a table here too? You're, you're okay, I will come by and get copies of your book. Um, I love that so much. This is the best story ever. Keep going, please, please. And, and then, you know, like seeing people who were self-publishing, because I couldn't get published. So there were a lot of us doing the self-publish route of, you know, selling out the trunk of our car kind of thing, right? So then once Facebook came, five, 10 years later, these photos would come up like, oh, seven years ago, you were on this panel. I'm like, oh, that tall dude at the end, that was Jason Reynolds. Wow. You know, or going to Human Bookstore in Harlem and meeting this guy. I'm like, wow. You know, like another Black male writer who's doing Wilson's books is kind of like, you know, seeing a comfort zone, seeing like, hey, you know, like, want to be friends? Yeah. And uh, he was a self-published author. He was doing this thing at Human Bookstore. And then we ended up doing a uh, Skype to kids in Ghana. And it was Kwame Alexander, you know? And then he told me yes. he was doing the thing called the Capital Book Fest. So I drove out there to support him. And um, so I had a lot of backtracking to realize all the stuff I had, uh, I had missed. And then I had two kids of my own. And I go to their school library because I want them to be the readers that I never was. And then I started feeding my inner eight, 10 year old, you know, I'm like, huh, the Wizard of Oz is a book. Let me pick that up, you know, and I'm reading to them like, you know, so sometimes, oh, not tonight, dad, I'm sleepy. I'm like, but we've got to get to see what happens to the Tin Man. This is Um, such an important story because this is the story of so many of the kids that will find reading through your book and others who aren't, you know, who aren't in love with readers, who aren't, I mean, reading, who aren't, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the story of so many kids and it's so powerful for them to hear you share your journey in an honest way that isn't about loving reading your whole life. Yeah. And it gets better slash worse because I'm reading this book to my kid. And as a 30 year old dad, it was as close as I had ever seen to seeing myself in a book. Mm. Right. And I go back, you know, we love it. I go back to my school, my kid's librarian. And I said, hey, we just read this book, but not buddy. We really loved it. I don't know what these little stickers are on the front, but I guess it means it's a really good book. 
So oh do you gosh. have any more of these little sticker books? And, you know, we got like holes and, you know, things like that. So I start reading them. And then it was such a thrill when the movie holes came out. I took my kids to see it. They, they had no idea it was even a movie. It was the first movie we had ever seen. And that was an adapted from a book that we had read, you know? So like those were really big deals. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I experienced them as a 30-year-old that, you know, Bud Not yeah. Buddy was the first book that I kind of saw myself. You know, it was equally as important that it was written by an African-American man. Of course. Yeah. You know, because it showed me that I could do it. Like as as great a book as A Snowy Day is, I, mm-hmm. I thought that when I looked in the back and saw who did it, that it was like a Jerry Pinckney kind mm-hmm. of guy, you know, someone that had, you know, been through all kinds of trials and tribulations and got to the point he had this. And it was a little disappointing that the most popular African-American protagonist in the kid's book wasn't done by an African-American author, an illustrator. Right. So then I was like, okay, I know what I have to do. Like, my work is cut out for me because now I want to do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, um, but I couldn't. And I felt like the publishing industry was stuck. In the sense where um, I don't know if they looked for books about slavery, civil rights, and police brutality, but it was a very disproportionately yeah. high number of books like that. And, you know, I always say, like, I'm not throwing shade, they're important books, but I don't think any little black girl is going to read a book and say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like Harriet Tubman. Right. <laughs> you know? But also, you know, for little white girls like me who are reading, I think that just gives the really dangerous perception that black people are defined by trauma, like defined right. by right. these traumatic moments, e- either in recent or in what feels like ancient history. And of course, that's not true. Right. And and I just feel like if that's all you know, and you see a little black girl in the cafeteria, you're not going to go talk to her because you just think that there's all this trauma that comes with it. And I always say it's the same thing if the only books that you had as a little girl were A Handmaid's Tale. You know, it's well-written. It's amazing. Sure. But what does that do to your psyche? Yeah. You know, and if that's all boys read, so boys think that they're up here and they're like, Jennifer, mm-hmm. you're you're less than me. You yeah. know, we're not on the same level. You know, you can't grow up to be a CEO. You can't grow up to be, you know, mm-hmm. you're less than. You know, I still fight with peers about that, you know, and they can do what they want to do, which is fine, but that's just not what I want to do, you know, because as important... You know, a book on Martin Luther King is, that's how important the crossover is by Kwame. That's how important Stunt Boy is by Jason Yeah, Yeah. You know what I mean? And how important New Kid is by Jerry Craft. Yeah, well, thank you. Because, like, how often do white kids ever aspire to be black characters? Yeah, bingo. Never. That's like a mic drop right there. Right. Never. And why would they? You know what I mean? 
So to see that a little white boy in North Dakota could be like, oh man, I want to pretend to be Tristan Strong. Like that does more for equality, the future, empathy, than Mm -hmm. anything. You know, this mom sent me a photo of her daughter, you know, pigtails and freckles and red hair, dressed up like um, Drew from Class Act on the cover. And it was the one of the most heartwarming things that I had ever seen. I was like, wow, like there is a young white girl. And I, you know, I have to say it because that's why I think it's important, dressed up like my African-American male character who's born in the Bronx, you know? And I think that when you see these people in real life, and it's not really even just about race, because I go to schools now, and what's so funny is when the kids pick out kids who are like their characters, like my character, and they're like, Mr. Kraft, you see her? She is just like Alexandra from New Kid. And they embrace her. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, we just love her to death. Whereas if I had had an Alexandra and teased her and made her the butt of all the jokes, then that girl might have been the butt of all the jokes. But because I had Jordan and Drew and Liam embrace this character, I think it shows kids that it really is much cooler to embrace these characters and learn from our differences than it is to alienate and ostracize. Mm -hmm. That's when I really started seeing the importance and and the commitment and the role that we have as children's book authors. Yeah. And it's something that I take really seriously. Well, this is kind of a rhetorical question then, but do you think this is why, you know, books written for young people seem to be striking fear in the hearts of so many adults? You know, adults seem really keen to keep kids from accessing book like books like yours and others. It's is it that ability to show kids that you know, we're all connected and that we, you know, ha- have a lot to learn from our differences, but we're really, you know, sort of more alike than we are different. And isn't that the saddest thing ever to think that, like, what kind of kids were they? You know, like, in theory, we raise our kids with manners and let's do this and we say we're all equal and, but to put my life's work and my commitment and what I've done with kids, like my whole life, you know, I did a comic strip for kids. I worked at Sports Illustrated for kids, you know, like all the, everything I've done has been for kids. I've coached basketball teams and baseball teams. It's kids, 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 right? And to then hear some of these people stand up and slander me and be like, Oh, Jerry Craft is trying to someone someone sent me an email. Uh you must suffer from some kind of mental illness that is forcing you to believe that you need to indoctrinate an entire generation of kids. And I'm like indoctrinate them to learn empathy 
Right, and right, exactly, right. Guilty, I mean, you know. <laughs> exactly. Okay, guilty, you know, but like that's what you're complaining about. So are you yeah. you're snatching my book out of the hand and tell the kid to go watch TikTok? So that's been the only downside is people whose kids may even enjoy my books in secret. Yeah. You know what but I mean? Isn't it, that says something in a world that we're living in a world where kids would need to read your books in secret. I mean, that's crazy. I was on Joy Reid's show. Look at you and, name dropping. Well, <laughs> it, it, it gets it gets better slash worse because I was on with Art Spiegelman, and you know I was honored, right? But I'm like, okay, new kid mouse. <laughs> New kid, mouse. And I'm kind of weighing like, why am I here? But it was because our books were, were being banned. Yeah. So they're putting a book about a 12-year-old boy's first year in an affluent private school about a book about the atrocities of the Holocaust. Yes. And I'm like, are there people that see that in the same vein and that that uh, Art and I are, you know, enemies of literature. Like he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. I'm a Newbery winner. Like I just don't understand. But um, I will say this, Jerry. You know, I was when New Kid first came out. I was still working in the public schools. I'm an old lady and retired now. But working in a public school system that served a majority of kids who were from a historically marginalized community with black and brown skin, and yet most of the teachers and administrators were white, looked like me. Right. New Kid was the first book that I found success in helping my colleagues understand the idea of microaggressions, like what that really looks like, in particular in a school setting. And I can see how that's threatening to people who are frightened of having their worldview shifted, uh, who are unable to, you know, acknowledge that the world isn't set up equitably for everyone. And in that way, Mouse and New Kid are on the same shelf. And you have something to add to that contribute, you know, that conversation in the same way that Art's does. Yeah. And again, you know, I think that unless we listen and like, for example, uh, when the Me Too movement started, right, I felt like my job as a man was to listen. All right. So then it's like, okay, first, am I guilty of any of that? And then if so, to check that, and then if I had male friends to check that behavior, yeah. not to say, oh, Jennifer, what kind of feminist agenda are you trying to run here? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. what about me? You think I don't have, you know, things that, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and, and I had um, a conversation about it with some of my female authors' friends and they were saying, you know, my um, like advantages of being a man. And I'm like, even as a black man? And they were like, yeah, we're having dinner. Like, well, when you walk out to the parking lot tonight at 11 o'clock in the dark, are you afraid? I'm like, no, not really. I don't think twice about it. Like, that's an advantage. I'm like, yeah. oh, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it wasn't something that I felt in threatened by or sure. insulted, you know? And I think that, so even in New Kid, there was so much stuff that was kind of prophetic. It was like, Jordan says to Miss Rawls, so it's okay that I feel the way that I do and experience the things I do. It's just not okay for me to talk about it. That's you it. Know? So even if I ever do an autobiography and I talk about my books being banned, then wouldn't that book be banned because they're saying mm-hmm. that I'm something, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. They'll, they'll find a way. That's right. Because the agenda really isn't about your book. It's about something else. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's a lot of people that are hiding their own agendas. Uh, so many of the people that are doing these, you know, accusing authors of this and then the light shines on them. And it's like, holy moly, that is so much worse than what any of us are doing. They always tell on themselves, you know, like, yes, I, I know. What gives me the strength to ignore that is when I hear teachers saying, uh, I, I was in either Buffalo or Rochester And they said that there was a kid who hated to read, read Mm. New Kid, not only finished the book, but started a book club. They were like, Mr. Kraft, you don't understand. He started a book club. This kid hated to read. And so I have so many of these Dr. Phil kind of moments. You know, they're tearing up, I'm tearing up, and then I got to go up on stage and I'm like, you know, but that's the stuff that that keeps me going. So I, I I try to read every email that comes into my box, as you see, respond to as much stuff on social media, because I, I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm confused by one thing, though. You, you said that this kid started a book club using New Kid, and I don't understand because graphic novels aren't real books, are they? Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, How can you have a book club when it's not a real book? I know. Because (laughs) what happens is when I write a prose novel, like one of the books that I self-published, The Offenders, Saving the World Mm -hmm. Lost Circuit Attention, I use um, story arcs, character arcs, you know, the rising action, all that stuff. And when I do graphic novels, I just throw all that stuff away. I'm, yeah, exactly. There's no plot. There's no layout. There's no story. I just write by the seat of my pants and right. hope just that it makes toss sense. words on there. Just toss them on there. Yeah, right? yeah. You and I have talked before also. I mean, this could be a whole separate like podcast episode, but just about how the fact that you have a limited number of words you can use in a graphic novel means you have to choose them all so carefully. They, they, someone had done a study and they said that graphic novels tend to have a higher vocabulary yeah. because, you know, the difference between writing a post on Facebook or writing a post on Twitter where you mm-hmm. have 120 characters, like you've got to be yeah. succinct. That's it. Okay? Like even use the word succinct as opposed right. to saying, oh, you can't write every word that you use. <laughs> That's it. That's you know? it exactly. So a lot of times it's limited. And so I write my books out as a script. But then when it comes time to go into the word balloon, I might have to edit that as well. Yeah. 
So every word is carefully uh, mm-hmm. chosen and placed. And then if it, I don't even like to have words that are hyphenated, you know, that uh, go down to the next line. So I have to rework the kerning or just pick another word. And one of my gifts for a kid that hated to read, when I'm working on a book, I can read it 50 times, like over and over and over until it sounds right out loud. Yeah. You know, if I read it out loud and it flows for me, you know, because if it sticks coming out of me, a kid's not going to be able to read it. So one piece of advice to authors is read your stuff out loud. If you get stuck, change it because a kid's going to be stuck. Yeah. You know? I love that. And that's why sometimes I would show my manuscripts to people, like friends, and well, I'm not a writer or I'm not a cartoonist, so I don't get the joke. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not writing for cartoonists. If you don't get the joke and you are a regular person, then that means other people won't get the joke. So I've not done my job. You haven't failed. I've failed. One of the things I love about your book so much, and and this may be a Dr. Phil moment for me, but is the layers upon layers of jokes within your books. Like you, I had sort of an unconventional reading journey. My family was really poor and and the few books I did have were burned in our wood stove one winter when our power was turned off. So I, after that, I, I owned very few books, but something I did have was two or three copies of Mad Magazine that I read over and over and over again. And so this is like the highest praise coming from you, Jerry. Your books remind me of that. It, that in the sense that there's just layers upon layers of meaning and jokes that a kid in the fourth grade will get on one level, a kid on the in the ninth grade will get in the le- on a certain level, and an old lady like me that will get at a different level. And I just, I don't know if there's a question here other than to just say, I love that so, so much. Well, you know what it is? I'm doing, okay, so I get this opportunity to do... One, a middle grade graphic novel with an African-American protagonist. If that wasn't already three strikes against me, I didn't know if I would get another opportunity. So when I tell you I try to make this for as wide an audience possible, you know, to a 10-year-old black boy from Oakland to you, a 28-year-old white woman from thank you wherever you are from. <laughs> thank you. The Bronx, you know I mean? But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so there are things that I know kids aren't going to get. They're not going to get a reference to a uh, Julia Roberts movie <laughs> as, you know, yeah. As one of the um, the chapter headings, you know, that when they're playing soccer and it's cold because Jordan has to wear gloves because he's freezing. Yeah. Um, and that the chapter is called Cleats Play Gloves, that that's Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> I know. Listen, Jerry, when I read, we read New Kid for the first time and came across the chapter heading that's a reference to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. I lost my flipping mind. I must right. have text a thousand people going, this right. is incredible. <laughs> and, and that's the kind of thing where I just want so many aha moments. 
And I also want it where you can't read it once. There's nothing, yeah. you can't find everything because like when you say I layered upon layer upon layer, and mm. then if you even read um, Class Act and then reread New Kid, yes. there's stuff. And then if you read School Trip and read them all again, it's yeah. like there's even more stuff. There are characters that only appeared in the backgrounds of one that now have a role in School Trip. There's you know, yeah. the guy that always finds Jordan doing something stupid coming out of his house that's in all the books. You know, the um, the road to Riverdale. Yeah. Yes. Riverdale. You know, yes, yes, yes. So that's the Hobbit. The yes. road to Riverdale. Same yes. position. You know, that kind of thing. So just all kinds of things so that you feel like you have a connection. That's one of the things that's been sort of an unintended consequence of this podcast is that we... So many of the authors and illustrators I've spoken to have talked about this idea of reading the same book over and over and over again. And uh, your books just lend themselves to that for readers of all ages. And I think that's not only really smart marketing, uh, but also I think it, it makes them a classic. You know, it makes it a, right. these books that are going to live on shelves for decades. One of my favorite. Uh honors not only winning the newberry but um it was book riot or one of these uh websites picked the newberry books that also had the m most kid appeal you know because this a, because a book wins a newberry and has critical right. acclaim doesn't mean that they're going to read it in the same way that they do wimpy kid or dog right. man or something like that and my book was one of the five or 10 books that they said got critical appeal, but passed the kid test, you know, yeah, passed the mom sure. test, the librarian test, and passed the kid test. And that's really important also. Well, that does sort of lead me to a question I'm dying to ask. And you can just tell me to go back and read your books again, which I will happily do. But I want to be respectful of your time. But before I let you go, I feel like I have to ask if there's anything you are able to tell us about what you're working on next. Or is everything still top secret? Yeah, right now it's top secret. It is okay. a brand new three book series. Has nothing Yay! to do with New Kid. Um so that's going to be interesting uh, because it has to be different enough from New Kid where it's not compared. They're but you got a on... three-book set coming out, yeah, right? Yeah, that's coming yes. out in May. And then things like, you know, a sketchbook, the New Kid sketchbook. Oh, how Which pretty. is cool. And it, it has some, like, drawing tips and stuff like that. So the stuff that I wish that I had, yeah. You know, there's a new kid uh, jigsaw puzzle, which is really cool. Um, it's in like a dozen different languages. I went to Kenya with Kwame and we... I'm sorry. I know. I, I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And I went with him to uh, Kenya to do school visits. So it's so wild Amazing. that we met by doing a Skype to kids in Africa. And then we got to go there in person. Oh, that's to awesome. Do that. It's so wonderful to see people who really deserve the kinds of 
accolades and respect that you're getting really get it. And so thank you for, I mean, I'm just oh. delighted to hear about the way the world is embracing your work because you so deserve it. I'm so grateful you're out there doing this work. We need you right now, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm equally as happy when I see Dan Santat mm-hmm. winning the National Book Award, Jerry Kashaska does some amazing stuff. And then, yeah. of course, Raina. So with Raina, it all started because someone showed me a copy. Someone at Scholastic showed me a copy of um, Smile and asked if I had read it. And I said, no. And they said, well, take it home and read it. And mm. I did. And that's when I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to be Raina Telgemeier. So it all yeah. started with Smile. And because of that, if you notice in school trip, the very last word, if this is the last series, so the the very last word in the New Kids series is smile. So that's my way of also saying thank you to her. Victoria Jameson got a Newberry honor, CC Bell, mm. so they kind of paved the way. Yeah. You know, I see Mexicans just got a Newberry honor. Yes. Um, so good. That's such a great, it was such a great book this last year. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe graphic novels are kind of being real books after all. I know. Who knew? Who, Who knew? knew? Right? Only it's been us. a long way since Archie and Little Lulu and Richie Ridge. That's right. That's exactly uh, right. And I mean, you know, for me, any book that makes a kid want to pick up books is a real book and a winner. So, I oh, just, absolutely. Well, my friend, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time today. I promised you this would be 30 minutes and we're up to 45. So, I apologize for being a liar, but I'm really grateful for the time. Thank you. My pleasure. much for tuning in to The Reader's Heart. As always, you can find ways to connect with Jerry along with a discount code for purchasing his books from Bookalicious at librarygirl.net. However, this week, these show notes also include information for supporting Jerry's family during an unimaginably difficult time, along with the names of organizations that support young people who may be contemplating suicide. Again, please visit librarygirl.net to access this information. This podcast was created, written, and recorded by me, Jennifer Lagarde, all rights reserved. Our theme music was created by Comma Music and is available for free at Pixabay's royalty-free music repository. And the beautiful logo for our show was created by Karina Lucan. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star review at wherever you listen to podcasts. Believe it or not, this small step makes a big difference in helping the reader's heart find its audience. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy reading, y'all.